0: This episode of the Tabletop Submarine Podcast is produced by Cake Pie Games. Cake Pie Games, games that are a piece of cake to set up and easy as pie to teach.
1: Welcome to the Periscope, the show where we take a closer look at crowdfunding projects. Join us as we talk with guests about why you should back their future board games today.
0: Here are your host... Voyagers. Welcome to another episode of the Periscope. We're releasing a couple this week because Kickstarters are starting to, well, crowdfunding in general is starting to pop off a lot. But today we have a very special guest, one person that Andrew and I have actually been trying to get on the podcast for a little bit, but timing is horrible. We have Joe Slack. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so lots of the designers will know who you are if you're a designer listening to this people are like, "Oh yeah, Joe Slack, we know who that is." Maybe, maybe, maybe the lay the layman gamer or the person who's just in the hobby consuming games, "Who are you? What do you do in the hobby?"
1: I don't think that many people know me yet, but uh I'm a I'm a game <laughs> designer. I've been designing games for about almost 10 years now. I've been doing it full-time for about the last 5. Um, I uh, published games with some other designers, or sorry, with other publishers rather, and uh, published uh, a few of my own, uh, going through the Kickstarter route as well. I also run the board game design course, which uh, helps uh, early on game designers uh, develop their games and bring them to fruition. And I've written um, four books now on board game design as well.
0: Yeah, I'm reading one there right now the, the the one How to Get Your Game from Design to Publish. Very good. I, I I'm an audiobook guy. I barely can sit down and read. I'm mean, I'm a toddler. I like pictures or read comic books. But like I love listening to I like audiobooks. I listen to like, you know, old like, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, those kind of fun books I like. But then I listen to like, you know, you know, ten five signs ten signs of a miserable job or, you know, how to see in crowdfunding and stuff like that. So I'm really enjoying that aspect for sure. So thank you for that. Yeah, very cool. So you have a new game coming out, which over here today it's called Mayan Curse. And this is through your publishing company, correct?
1: That's correct, yes.
0: Can you tell, can you tell us a little more about your, your publishing company?
1: Sure. Um, my publishing company is called Crazy Like a Box, and we tend to focus on games that are puzzly in nature and make you feel clever, especially when you kind of figure out uh, one of the puzzles or how to, how to you know move, move around and get further and advance further throughout the game. And we also try to focus on having uh, really good uh, table presence and components as well in our games.
0: Awesome. And then, so Mayan Curse is this game. It looks good, like you were saying. It looks good on the table. Can you tell us a little bit about how this plays and what the game is all about?
1: Sure. So the game is about uh, you as one of uh, of many explorers who've discovered this uh, Mayan area. There's supposed to be an ancient city that you can only see from this distant temple. Uh, So you have to traverse all of these different stones and avoid some traps to try to get all the way to the temple, take a picture of that ancient city and bring it back for proof. Uh, So it's all about gaining um, knowledge of this city Uh, But you're competing with all these other explorers and you do so through um, a a few steps. So on your turn, the the game structure is very simple. Uh, You draw three sacred stones, which are tiles with Mayan symbols on them, and then you can slide these slabs. So there's these long slabs with eight symbols on them and they can be slid from left to right. And you're trying to move them around and line them up so that you can go across a path that matches your symbols. And along the way, you're visiting these steles, which are uh, Mayan monuments, to gain knowledge of where the city is. And uh, you're going to traverse further and further and gain more knowledge, trying to get close to this rotating circular temple, uh, which is even trickier to try to navigate and try to get up to the top of and get back out. But once you get to a certain point, you're going to start triggering these boulders, Indiana Jones style, which are going to roll back towards the entrance. So you really have to judge when is it time to continue to go get more of this knowledge, maybe try to get to the top of the temple if you can, or is it time to hightail it and, and get out of there? Because if you don't get out before all three boulders have got back to the entrance to block it off, doesn't matter how many points you've collected, how much knowledge you've gotten, um, you will be out of the running. So it's it's amongst those uh, players who have escaped uh, who has the most knowledge by the end of the game. Well,
0: excellent. So now that we got a brief overview of the game, let's head into some of the more digging questions that I try to come up with. You ready for this? Of course, yeah. Awesome. So this is obviously your design and your publishing company. A common complaint that I personally think is unfounded for Kickstarter is that, oh, they couldn't find a publisher to publish it, so they're publishing by themselves. It's not that good of a game. So what do you, why, did you, why did you choose to self-publish this game through Crazy Like a Box?
1: Well, I think it fits very well with our brand of puzzly games uh, that make you feel clever. Um, Also, one of my previous games, Relics of Rajvahara, really has um, an adventure kind of feel, almost Indiana Jones or Tomb Raider style, where you're pushing things around and solving puzzles. So it really, really fit well within that that brand, within that range of games that I want to do. And I actually do take a hybrid approach um, with my games. I do get some published with other publishers where I feel that they're a better fit, where it would be um, really good for their audience and they could really market it well because, you know, it really fits for them and their genre and their catalog. But other games that I create sometimes or co-design, I sometimes feel that they fit better with the crazy like a box brand and are those kind of puzzly games by nature. Uh, so that's why I sometimes decide to to publish some of those myself and also I, I would love to publish all the games uh, but it takes quite a bit of time and effort <laughs> and I also love to design games so um, I design way more than I could ever publish and it just kind of makes more sense to, to uh, you know, hand those off and, and work with other publishers that are a better fit for those ones and just focus on maybe one or maybe two uh, of self-published games in a year uh, that really fit better
0: What is your favorite part about this game?
1: My favorite part is the tension. It's kind of that point where players get to and they have to make that decision. The audibly out loud will be saying, ooh, do, do I go for that one last thing? Do I try to get to the top of the temple or try to get out? Oh man, this is like when they have that hard decision when they know they're at that crucial point where they might be able to take one more turn, but if things don't line up well, they might not be able to get out. And you see some players turn back and you see some players go on. And then it's kind of from there, to the end to see if that player that's gone the furthest will get out in time and usually it's very very close it's either they just barely get out where that last boulder is just on that last piece and they've just made it out or uh they get trapped because they couldn't quite uh get the combination to get out so it's kind of that that tension point where they have to make the turn back and then will those players actually get out at the end
0: So what steps did you take as a designer slash publisher to ensure that this tension and these feelings that you want them to feel in the game happen during the game?
1: Um, just a lot of it really comes through playtesting. Um, we've been working on this game for, oh, I'm almost embarrassed to say, over five years. Uh, the pandemic really slowed <laughs> things down and we didn't really work on it very much for a good chunk of a couple of years. And it wasn't the type of game that really translates very well to like tabletop simulator or to any other kind of digital platform. So it really relied on in-person playtesting. So that was really cut out for quite a while. Um, <clears throat> so really, we wanted to to find the right amount of tension. Uh, through uh, all the the combination of the mechanics and, and the theme. And we had so many different iterations of the game with different puzzles and <laughs> um, a, like steps on the, this temple and a spinning rotating puzzle. And we had like a 15 number puzzle. And just we had to try to figure out which kind of modules we wanted in the game that would drive the right kind of tension so that people want to try to get to the top of the temple. That's kind of what they strive for and try to get back out. And it was only kind of in the in the late stages where we got to the point where we're like, yes, it's not it's not just going to be about getting to the top and back. That's uh, at one point that's what the game was all about. Like you had to get to the top and back, and we tried it with just um, like kind of one prize at the top or one less than the number of players, and people would fight for it, and it just it just wasn't quite working. So when we really came down to it, we said like all players should have the opportunity to get there because it's that really good feeling. People love trying to get to that temple at least trying to rotate it around and try to get to the top but they needed a reason to really come back or or have to make that decision about whether they wanted to go or not so we really had to come up with a way that that players would feel that tension and the boulders just they were very thematic to the game um, so we had to tr- test them out in various different ways how many boulders we were going to have exactly how they were going to roll back how much control players would Uh, would have over the boulders and whether they're going to move and if they're going to get back in time um, and giving them enough time. So we had to play around with not only the boulders and how they rolled because they they have a symbol on each side and they roll to the uh, next closest symbol towards the entrance, but how were they going to get triggered? So we had to try different ways around that. Was it going to be based on the distance players traveled or what knowledge they collected? And we finally got, got the system just right where Um, players will trigger that first boulder and it starts roll and then the next one and then the next one. So it's kind of a (laughs) progression and then they only have so much time after that. But um, players have some control over triggering them because it's based on the knowledge that they pick up along the way, so they can try to just avoid that and go much further on. But if they get up to the space just before the temple, that's also going to be another thing that triggers them all, because we found that like people could just avoid, you know, the triggers that would set it off. So we had to have a secondary kind of trigger. So either way, players are going to only get so far before they're going to see those boulders rolling back and start to get that feeling of, oh, do I go back or do I keep going? So that was really how we we figured out the tension for that.
0: So speaking of players, then, who is this game for? Like, who what? was the ideal person who would enjoy this game?
1: I'd say it's really for the type of player who who wants um, a game that feels very adventurous. People who are into, uh, let's say, board games and Indiana Jones, or maybe Tomb Raider, um, and 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 like puzzly kind of things. So a puzzly kind of game uh, with a bit of push your luck. Uh, so, players that are really into that kind of game, it really fits for um, families, casual gamers, maybe not super hardcore gamers who really want a, a really strategic, crunchy euro game. Uh, but people who are, are really um, wanting that game that has that really authentic thematic feeling of adventure.
0: Awesome things that people like me—I love special puzzles, push your luck, and I'm actually a good, I'm a pretty decent Indiana Jones fan. So, oh, nice. I this. The more I look at it, the more I actually really admire like, – there's only a few pictures I see on the Board Game Geek page and some other things. But the game looks really re- reminiscent of the o- old-esque, like that that old kind of like – I don't know, the pulpy like adventure type stuff. So you're really nailing it right there. Oh, so – one of the biggest concerns people have nowadays is that Kickstarters sometimes don't come through, or that publishing companies aren't responsive. You know, it's becoming more and more taboo, Sally, to back Kickstarters. So, what steps are you taking as a publisher to ensure that you know not only your backers can trust you, but the game is going to be delivered?
1: Yeah. So something that I've always done right from the start is make sure that I'm really in touch and in communicating with backers. Whenever I see comments, I try to reply as soon as I can. Um, Always get back to them uh, with any questions they have, providing more information and that type of thing, providing updates on a regular basis. And I've actually been commended by a number of backers who actually said, I wish more uh, uh, publishers were more like you in, in the way that they communicate. So Um, That just makes me want to keep doing that more and more, Um, you know, just keeping in touch with people, letting them know even, you know, if there's not too much happening, if it's in production, just sharing some pictures, sharing where we're at, um, anything along those lines. And in terms of uh, delivering, my last three Kickstarter campaigns uh, that were all successfully funded, they all delivered... um, with the exception of the first one, because it was during the pandemic and everything just got delayed. It yeah, um, doesn't, count. doesn't count. Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> uh, that one even was only off by maybe a couple months. And some people got it really close to the the, the estimated timeline, but with, you know, shipping crisis and everything, couldn't do much about that, uh, did our did our best. Um, but the the second and third ones, um, I would say 99% of backers received them either on time or early. Um, my last one, 14 Frantic Minutes, Uh, The estimated timeline was November of this year, which is still, you know, next month. And uh, almost everybody has their game now. Most people got it back in July. Um, It's just uh, a few backers that are still waiting on it because we decided to do a French translation and work with another publishing company on that. So the delivery of those took longer just because there was extra free shipping to them. But, you know, people were were aware that, you know, if they wanted this one, they might have to wait a little longer than the other version. But yeah, I'm always uh, trying to leave enough um, buffer room in case anything else comes along, if we get any other licensing deals and offering people the ability to get the game in that language as well. Um, and then doing our best to deliver not only on time, but early as best as we can.
0: Awesome. So, and why do you, why do you, obviously there's, there's, there's good reasons why everyone should kind of adopt that philosophy, but how did you come by to adopting that kind of that basically that business style and how has it benefited you and your publishing company?
1: Well, let's say being customer centric is, is always a good idea. And no matter, no matter what you do, um, the customers are really what drive your business, what keep you going. So it's all about uh, doing whatever it it, it takes to make them happy. You know, I would get uh, an email from somebody maybe saying that they're missing, you know, one block or a card or, you know, a, a different set of cards was, was replicated in one of the boxes or something. And I would just, you know, get back to them as soon as possible, you know, apologize for the error, uh, make sure I had their address correct, and then say, yeah, we've got another one that's going to be coming your way as soon as possible. So I think that's what really keeps a business going is making your your customers and your fans happy. Um, I've had so many incidents where you know, something may have, may have gone wrong, but it's all about how you handle it. Sometimes you can't control if something goes wrong or if something gets messed up in the printing and somebody's missing a card, but it's, it's how you handle it. So it's all about, even if, you know, you have to go out of pocket for it. um, You'll make huge fans. You know, the people that come back and say, wow, okay, I can't believe, you know, we went out of his way to, you know, replace something um, so quickly and, you know, no complaints, no issues. Uh, So I think it just really helps business in general, and with my business, it's, it's definitely helped because I've had uh, comments from some backers saying, um, you know, I, I, oh, I see your new games coming out. I'm, I'm a definite backer. Like I'm a backer for life. Like you, you provide uh, great games, great customer service. I love what you're doing. Uh, I even had one guy say, um, I, I, I told my partner, I'm not going to back any more games until I sell some off in my collection but I see, you know, Joe's got another game coming out. So, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. So I was like, just floored hearing something like that. Oh man, like, you know, out of all the publishers out there, and I'm just a very small independent publisher. Um, but the person would say that about about my games and, you know, they make an exception to uh, to get my next one.
0: So what challenges make do you see that may happen during the campaign? Or like, what do you think is the biggest str- hurdle you have to overcome? And what steps are you taking to help overcome that in the future for this campaign specifically?
1: I'd say, uh, like this game has a lot of components and pieces. So, I think one of the biggest things is just making sure that we get it manufactured just right. It, it really relies on all the pieces fitting together really well because we've got these modular boards and these um, transition boards that go on top. Um, really cool design, uh, but we have to make sure that that all works as well as particularly the temple um, that it's going to rotate properly. Because when you're moving on the temple, uh, how it works is when you when you're rotating it, it's whichever uh, slab you're rotating, plus all the ones above it. So they all have to be able to rotate in unison. So it really has to be engineered properly. So we're going to work very closely with our manufacturer and, you know, get that first sample, uh, which is in the works right now, and uh, take it and test it and make sure it it works just perfectly. And they're going to be able to replicate that. And if there's any changes needed, we'll uh, make those changes to make sure that, that that fits um, that everything fits well in the box <laughs> and, and everything. So, uh, cause there's, there's a lot of components and so we just want to make sure that it all rotates and, and gives that player experience that we're, we're wanting to have. We don't want people to have, um, you know, having to like hold things down as they're moving other things and that type of thing. So it's really about <laughs> getting the manufacturing and engineering, right? Um, because this is a very kind of unique product, I would say um, in terms of how we're, we're getting it manufactured.
0: So we're going to wrap this, this little episode up here. So Joe, I'm just giving you some, give you some time now. If there's a person on the fence saying, may or, I may or may not back this, or someone's really closely doing it, say anything you want to try to get them over the edge or anything you want to convey to potential backers who may be listening. Sure.
1: So if you're looking for a game that delivers on adventure and you like spatial puzzles and trying to figure, figure things out, uh, then this is really going to meet your needs. Uh, it's all about... sliding and rotating and coming up with those paths, those clever solutions to try to advance further and also uh, really makes you think about how 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 am I doing versus the other players? Because all the points are hidden uh, for knowledge. You don't know how you're doing versus everybody else. So you have to really judge, engage. Is it worth going on and getting a bit more or trying to get out and hoping that maybe your opponents will get stuck there and uh, maybe being able to even set things up so that maybe happens a little bit sooner than uh, than they want to. So if you're really looking for that kind of adventure game, then uh, you should check out My Anchors.
0: Well, we're hoping to get Joe on for a full episode once Andrew gets back from gallivanting in Europe. So... Appreciate your time, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on the Periscope today. As always, my name is Josh. This campaign launches on October 24th, correct?
1: That's correct, yes, on Kickstarter.
0: If you've liked what you heard so far and you want to support Crazy Like a Box and support Joe, please go ahead and check out Kickstarter Mayan Curse, October 24th. As always, my name is Josh, and this has been the Periscope.